16 it says sing to him sing psalms to him talk of all his wondrous works glory in his holy name and let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord now this is quite simple you want to have a culture of worship in your own life we need to sing we need to talk and we need to rejoice you've heard that it's good to make goals to have something to strive for Though this is true, sometimes knowing how to make those hopes a reality is much harder to do. Today, Pastor Daniel says that God wants to help you create a culture of worship in your life. In this teaching from 1 Chronicles, you'll discover that this mindset grows when you sing songs to the Lord, talk about what He's up to, and celebrate who He is and what He's done. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 16, as he continues his message, A Culture of Worship. As a church, we have a church culture. We live in a culture. That culture is constantly changing. And what I would say to you is that God wants all of our lives to be a culture of worship. Because if Jesus is always with us, if he's always present, I've always said that worship is the human response to the presence of Jesus. If if you will become aware of the presence of Jesus, the only proper response is to declare his worth, to praise him. And I realize that we want our Crossroads family to have a culture of worship. But that happens when each one of us develops a personal culture of worship. And then we all come together... And then as we all come together, now collectively we have a culture of worship. And we're going to see very simple, beautiful things on what does it look like to cultivate a culture of worship individually or as a church family. So look what it says in verse 8. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Now, I like this. Now, if I were to give you it to, in a concept, it literally means this, that you and I, we need to let worship lead to mission. You need to let worship lead outward into mission. Where do I get that from? Notice first it says, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Now, when we give thanks to the Lord, that literally is speaking about us having a, an attitude of gratitude, taking a moment in the midst of our lives in thanking the Lord for the things that we have. Now, you realize that one of the most basic common courtesies of life is to be a thankful person. But isn't it true that all of us struggle a little bit with gratefulness? Like, they say that our culture is an entitled culture. And really what that is, is that everyone believes that they deserve everything. Right, And in a lot of ways, that infects our lives with Jesus because we just feel like we deserve everything. But when was the last time, no matter what street level looked like for you, you woke up and you said, God, thank you for another day? Because you realize that another day is promised to no person. Like, you are not entitled to another day. It's given to you as a gift. 
But oftentimes we take it for granted. But I know how it is. You wake up tomorrow and you're like, and if you work like the normal work week, the Monday to Friday, you're like, oh man, I gotta go to work today. But when was the last time you're like, Lord, thank you for a job. Like, thank you that I have a skill that to give me some money to do something with it. Even if it's not as much money as you think you ought to have. It's like, we have this tendency to take everything for granted. Right? So one of the ways we worship is by having a thankful heart. Thanking God for the many blessings. And, and I always tell people that, that really being thankful to the Lord is not about getting what we want. Man, we aren't just thankful for the gifts God gives us. We're thankful for God's presence in our lives. I woke up this morning and the first, no, not the first thought. The first thought I had was, got to get some coffee. Second thought I have was, I can't believe that I get to be a child of God. Literally, I I can't, like, how awesome that God adopted me into his family. You're like, well, I'm not sure if it's awesome, Fusco. I'm still working on you. But you know what I mean? Like, he knew everything about me and he chose me to be part of his family. I wasn't deserving to be in his family. My actions in the totality of my life do not dictate that, of course, God would choose me to be in his family. He adopted me with all my garbage. And he did the same to you. And we should be thankful for that, for who he is, not just what he does. So what's beautiful is is we give thanks to the Lord, and then it says we call upon his name. Now, that doesn't only mean we, we pray to God, but you call upon the name of the Lord. It, it's like my kids. When something's going on, they call upon their parents, right? Like, like someone falls down and skins their knees. Mom, dad, they don't know how to make the breakfast. Mom, dad, sometimes they just want to come and give you a hug. Mom, dad, we do the same thing with the Lord. We call upon his name. Why, why do kids call upon the names of their parents? Because they trust their parents. They know their parents are there for them. You realize that you can trust the Lord and he's there for you. Now I realize, depending on what street level looks like for you right now, you may be struggling to trust the Lord. You don't understand what God is doing. But I'm here to tell you, even when we don't understand what God is doing, it's an opportunity to trust him because he is trustworthy, even if you don't understand it. So so, so we give thanks to the Lord and we call upon his name. But then notice what it says next. And I think this is super important. It says, make known his deeds among the peoples. Now, we want to let worship, giving thanks, calling on his name, we want that to lead us into mission. Because for many of us, the problem that our culture has, and I'm talking about our our, our culture in which we, we are raised in, is that our culture says it's all about you. So worship becomes a very individualistic and personal thing. Right? It's like, it's about my worship. Right? And that's why people get all upset about music and lights and this and that and volume and this and that. Because it's like all about you. And the thing is, is guess what? Worship isn't all about you. It's all about the Lord. And the problem is, is in an individualistic culture, all the, your preferences become God. And if you don't believe me, just go to a coffee shop and wait for someone to order a very specific drink. And if they don't get their specific drink right, watch how they respond. Because they get mad. I wanted my latte at 142.3 degrees. Because that's when the milk is perfect. Or something. Right? People get mad. Because our culture says it's all about you. Our culture says you can have it your way. But actually, when we cultivate a culture of worship when we're giving thanks 
We're calling upon his name. Then it's just not only about us. Then we want to share. We desire to share who he is. We want to declare his deeds among the peoples. See, worship leads us to self-sacrificial service. Because we believe that as you worship God, you're going to want to serve other people. You're going to want to be involved in the declaration of who God is and what he's done. You always can tell when someone's taking the next steps with Jesus when they begin to serve. You can always tell when someone is kind of stuck spiritually because they don't want to serve. Because when you take that next step, now all of a sudden you're moving out of it's just about Jesus and me. And now it's like, because I am worshiping God, I'm learning that Jesus loves all these other people too. He loves people who are not like me. He loves people who are broken. And so I'm going to go serve them. He loves people who are younger than me. He loves people who have different views than I do. He is as for them as he is for me. And the only way people grow to learn about who the Lord is is if someone decides, I'm going to respond to the God who I trust, who I worship, and now I'm going to put feet on it. And I'm going to put my hands, and I'm going to get my hands dirty in it. You know, and as a church family, it's so beautiful because we just saw this with our Bible day camp where we had 350 people serving 1,200 kids. Our students just got back from camp. We had all these Men and women, a lot of young men and women who are serving our high schoolers. And you always know when someone is growing in their worship because it's just not about, okay, come and I praise. It's like, no, I praise and then I let my praise lead to mission, to being involved in the work of God's kingdom. And, you know, I remember reading this, it's a great quote by um, John Piper, who uh, was a pastor of a church in Minneapolis, wrote many, many books. This is the very beginning of his book that's called Let the Nations Be Glad, and I love this. He says this, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man or people. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. See how powerful that is? So brothers and sisters, we want to let our worship lead to mission. We want to let giving thanks to God for who he is, calling upon his name so that God can give us his heart so that we now move into our community and our world in the name of Jesus as his hands and his feet. So we begin with that. We, we want to let our worship lead us to mission. Now in verse 9, it says this of 1 Chronicles 16. It says, sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, and let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Now this is quite simple. You want to have a culture of worship in your own life? We need to sing. We need to talk. And we need to rejoice. We sing, we talk, and we rejoice. Now, I love it because I'm just, you know, I'm, just, I'm just taking the verbs. Now, if you've been here at Crossroads for any length of time, I've told you a million, t- million times, if you want to understand who God is, follow the verbs. Right? Because God's not static. God is active. Right? And so all, oftentimes when I'm reading the scriptures, I'm following verbs. What's, what's going on? What, what are we asked to do? How are we supposed to simply respond to Jesus? So he says, sing to him, sing psalms to him. Now, here's the deal. Remember I told you earlier that I'm a bass player? I'm a bass player f- for a very good reason. Because I don't have the best singing voice. 
know, every once in a while, I always mess with Mikey or Jason. And I say, because I'm the senior pastor, you guys are going to have to let me sing a special. You guys remember, if those have been around church for a while, remember the special? When they have the special song, I'm always, you guys should let me sing the special. And Jason Ritchie, if you know him at all, he just kind of rolls his eyes. Not subtly, but like in real time. <laughs> See, I'm a bass player because I can't sing. I had someone say to me, and you should be a lead singer. You have the lead singer personality. I'm like, yeah, but God didn't give me the pipes. You know, like I just don't have it. But here's the thing. So some of you are like that. You're like, oh, sing, sing to the Lord, sing Psalms. I can't sing. I'm not like Mikey. I'm not like Amir. I'm not like Courtney. I'm not like Aaron. I mean, like, come on. I'm like, I can't sing. Here's the thing. God doesn't care about your pitch. God doesn't care about the timbre of your voice. Now, don't get me wrong. If he hasn't given you a nice pitch, a nice timbre, we're not going to stick you up on stage. Because we don't want the leaders of our worship to hinder all of us because we can't sing along. But the thing is, is that's why certain people have been given that gift where they, where they can sing in such a way that not only is their pitch right and their timbre is right and it's got a nice quality, but they also are the type of people who lead us to the throne of grace because that's where they find themselves. And that's a unique gifting. But for all the rest of us, guess what? God loves when we sing to him. So I want to set you free. Listen, one of the things that people say, like, why is the worship loud in here? I'm like, because people don't want to hear themselves sing. Can I get an amen in the name of Jesus? Amen. I like the fact that I don't have to hear myself sing. Now, some of you are like, my voice is so good, I want to hear myself sing. Well, you can hear yourself because you're listening to only you anyway. Because, you know what I mean? But in the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the pitch is. It doesn't matter if you know the lyric. It's about a heart that wants to praise. I was on a mission trip and we were in uh, Central America. And I remember uh, we're in this, uh, this little, it was really a tent. And there was like these little like, you know, kind of almost like those plastic um, patio chairs were there. The stackable ones. And a dirt floor. And I remember these two guys were leading us in worship. Now as a musician and, and, and somebody who played music professionally, you know, like I pride myself on like good music. And I remember this guy was playing the guitar. The guitar was not in tune. And these guys were singing, and neither one of them had been given the gift of pitch and timbre. And, and I remember we're worshiping, and, but I'm not worshiping. I'm judging, right? Now, at the moment that I'm judging, I don't realize that I'm judging. I'm just there watching this and just being like, man, someone's got to give these guys a tuner. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm thinking to myself. And I'm not worshiping. And it was amazing. At the end of this song, the guy who was playing the guitar just fell on his knees and began to weep. And even though they were speaking Spanish, he kept saying, oh, my father, oh, my father. And in that moment, the spirit of God said, that's what worship is. And then I felt super convicted because I'm like, this guy is doing his best to praise the Lord. He's in the presence of God. He's falling on his knees in worship. And I'm sitting there judging the guy because his guitar's not in tune. And that moment was very convicting. I was like, oh, and I'm supposed to preach today. But listen, sing to the Lord. And not just when we gather together, make a joyful noise in your heart to the Lord. So we sing to him. And not only do we sing to him and sing psalms to him, we talk of all of his wondrous works. 
I'm here to tell you, if you allow Jesus to be one of the topics of conversation that you have with people, your life will be something that builds people up. People talk about whatever they want. You ever notice that in a conversation? Like people talk about whatever they feel like talking about. Sometimes you talk about the weather. Sometimes you talk about politics or sports or, you know, maybe you're into interior design or whatever. And you talk about shadow boxes and, you know what I mean? Shiplap or something. And, you know, some, maybe you watch those cooking shows and you're like, man, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to make the perfect, you know, baking thing. And like, I just think it's all cool, but like you could talk about that and you can also talk about Jesus in the midst of that. You realize Jesus is the great designer, right? God is the creator God. So we want to be able to to talk about who he is. It reminds me of, of course, Psalm 95, verses 1 to 2. It says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. And let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. See, God, we're invited in the presence of God to sing, to talk about his ways. And not only that, but also it says to that we should, of course, rejoice. We glory in his name and let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. See, we all want to be happy, don't we? You know, and some people knock that today. They oh, everyone wants to be happy. I mean, what's the alternative to be unhappy? So I do not recommend making unhappiness the goal of your life. Okay, so like when people, you know, sometimes people, they get mad, like, oh, everyone just wants to be happy, happy, happy. It's like, well, you're grumpy. You should want to be happy too. Like, so be, wanting to be happy is really, but here's what I want to tell you. Happiness pursued on its own will never get you there. Happiness, true joy, because you know, happiness is circumstantial. Joy is a disposition of the heart that's good either way. Joy, rejoicing joy is the overflow of a relationship with God. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. See, true happiness is an overflow of a life that is spent worshiping the Lord. When you seek the Lord, even if you don't understand what's going on, joy is there because you realize that God is at work and that you are more than a conqueror. And it doesn't matter if the diagnosis was terrible or if the job just fell apart or or the dream just died or something just went down with the kids or the lack of kids or if all you've ever wanted is to be married, but God hasn't brought that person into your life yet. No matter what that looks like, when you seek the Lord, you have joy. Not in the circumstances, but a joy that surpasses the circumstances, that helps you to frame the circumstances in a completely different way. So listen, you want to cultivate an awareness of God's presence? If you want to cultivate a culture of worship, every chance you get, sing to the Lord. Every chance you get, talk about what God is doing. What he's done what you're hoping for, what the scriptures teach you. And then, of course, as you seek the Lord, you rejoice in him. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, I think all of us need to learn how to fight for our joy. Because joy is not just given without a fight. I think for each one of us, there are things right now that are just killing the joy in your heart right now. There are things that are literally, they're just taking it right out of your heart. You know, I'll be honest, as a follower of Jesus, I'm learning this all the time. Like, 
You know, we do a lot of stuff on social media. I find social media just kills my joy. Because people are so angry today. Like people are so upset about everything. Like you can't go on where something's not trending that's just like, this is disgusting. This is disgusting. For those of you like, I've never been on social media. You're smart. Because the thing is, people are so angry today. And what I found is that you ever notice that when someone's kind of in a bad mood around you before you know it, you're kind of in a bad mood? When someone's like, oh man, my life is just so lousy. You're like, yeah, my life's lousy too, you know? Even if you were having a great moment before you got there. Because, you know, you realize that negativity is a communicable disease. You pass that thing along, right? But the thing is, is I also believe that rejoicing in the Lord is also a communicable disease. When someone is joyful in the things of God, all of a sudden you hang out with them and you're kind of like got a little spring in your step. You, you got yourself a little bit, a, a, like a little bit of mojo going in your walk now. You got some gumption. You're like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is hard, but we're going to be okay here because we trust in the Lord. Now look what it says here, and, and this will be the last section we take in this message. It says, it's verse 11, 2 Chronicles 16. It says, seek the Lord and his strength Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. You want to cultivate a culture of worship in your own life? You need to seek and you need to remember. You need to seek and you remember. Now notice, of course, it says this word seek in verse 11. Seek the Lord and his strength and seek his face evermore. So I love this. Really what this is teaching us, remember I told you Jesus said he'll always be with us? Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now that is the reality, but you and I, we need to learn how to seek him. Because in a lot of ways, even though he's there, you have to still make sure that you are aware that he is there. And we call this seeking the Lord. And seeking the Lord is something that we need to do every day. In the same way, if you're married, you need to seek your spouse every single day, right? You need to seek to cultivate that relationship. If you are in your career, no matter what level of attainment you have, you have to keep grinding, don't you? You have to keep growing in that. You can't just rest on your laurels. Well, I got made it here, and so this is that, you know? It's like, no, you have to keep seeking. Jesus is real. You only need to hear the first few notes of the Rocky theme song to picture him running up those steps as he trains for his boxing match. Well, today, Pastor Daniel encouraged you to fight for the joy in your life. He shared that many people allow their circumstances or the other people around them to steal their joy. But it doesn't have to be that way. You learn that in this ongoing battle, rejoicing is contagious. Being around people who are praising God will safeguard your joy and help you trust the Lord. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
and I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when you'll discover that God is a covenant maker. As you explore First Chronicles, Pastor Daniel will help you understand the difference between a life lived by covenant and one guided by contract. You'll also learn that God is faithful to keep the covenants that he makes. He wants to help you do the same. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Presence. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.